Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blended. This is episode four of our new show. So hopefully by now you all know exactly what we're about, opening up conversations, breaking down barriers, and championing all the underrepresented voices and hidden talent in our industry. So before we dive into today's episode, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. Ships. Ships is a new platform bringing neutral bid and ship freight solutions to mid-market shippers, working to simplify the complexity often found in logistics, the ships platform closes the gap between shippers and forwarders, creating an accessible and hassle-free supply chain for all. Using insight-driven change, collaboration, and a passion for better business, ships delivers industry-leading solutions for its customers. Find out more at ships, that's S-H-I-P-Z or Z.com. Apex, diversity and inclusion is a core value of Apex Logistics with over 80% minority employed and 42% female executive leadership. Apex understands that celebrating diversity in the workplace is vital and impactful, bringing together a variety of backgrounds and skill sets to create a strong and collaborative culture with highly skilled individuals. Our partnership with Blended emphasizes our commitment to this important principle. Visit them at apexglobe.com. At Mercado, diversity is a foundational issue. Having spent their entire careers in a global industry, they welcome and celebrate diversity. It's an honor to support Let's Talk Supply Chain and Blended in their efforts to promote diversity in such a meaningful and impactful way. Mercado is an international supply chain platform that creates solutions for importers by transforming supply chain processes, allowing companies to bring their products to market better, faster, and cheaper. Mercado's goals focus on mitigating risk and eliminating pain across the international supply chain. This ultimately ensures companies get their products to market with greater efficiency and at lower cost through leveraging the platform's 70 plus procurement, ordering, and shipping features. So welcome to Blended. I'm joined by a group of supply chain professionals from around the world who are going to give their perspectives on what diversity and inclusion means to them. Welcome to Jenna, Nizreen, Demo, Akta, and Andrea. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So today in episode four, the world stage, we're going to be looking at diversity and inclusion from a worldwide perspective. What does it look like for our panelists? How does it vary by country or continent? And what are the conversations that are being had across the globe? And how can we join together to shape a better future? So let's get started with some introductions. Can you each tell me who you are, how you identify, what you do, and what those words diversity and inclusion mean to you? Let's start with you, Jenna. Hey, um, so I'm Jenna. Um, sorry, who am I? Um, I am uh, a co-founder of a company called uh, Shipmax. Um, how do I identify? Uh, I am white, British, female, and straight. Um, What's the other question? Uh, what do um, we do? Uh, you said, what do you do? So what are the words, what do the words diversity and inclusion mean to you? So I mean, I guess starting with inclusion, which is probably a bit easier. I think for me, this is about how do you, how do you walk in a room and there are no kind of preconceptions about how you might do something or aptitude based on your gender, race, sexual orientation, what, whatever it is. And um, I think that's the kind of ideal state for me. And then I think 
diversity is really about I think that kind of actually comes after you have inclusion um, right. and I think that's really about how you have in whatever groups you're doing whether it's a company or whatever it is um, a composition or a team which makes up um, the general population. Yeah, absolutely. Not being judged for what you look like when you walk into a room. Nizreen, over to you. Why don't you tell us who you are, how you identify, what you do, and what diversity and inclusion means to you? Hi, everyone. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Um, my name is Nizreen El Kobe. I, well, I am originally from Morocco, born and raised in France. Uh, northeast of France and uh, studied supply chain, worked in supply chain the past 24 years. I just love it. It's in my vein. And um, uh, basically, I'm, uh, I'm based in Dubai, in UAE Dubai, so in the Gulf, in the Middle East since 2006, but traveling from here all, of, all around the globe. I've worked in different industries and different continents. And uh, um, it's really weird because I, I don't look like Moroccan. I'm, I look like an Asian or Peruvian. Uh, maybe Demo will tell me. <laughs> so I'm brown with the Asian eyes, dark. I, I really don't look like an Arab. So that's very funny around the globe. I, I look like a different person. Um, and in France, usually they take me for, um, they, they think I'm from the uh, French islands. Um, so that's funny for me and that's fine for me. So I'm, I'm very happy like that. And somewhere I'm Filipino and somewhere I'm Peruvian and somewhere I'm Indonesian, which is perfect. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. What does diversity and inclusion mean to you? Well, I, I like the in, in the inclusion. For me, everybody is in. We're all human. We're all the same 99.9 percent we are the same there's a tiny 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 small difference which makes us unique uh, each one of us and uh, um i believe there there shouldn't be even a question of um, respecting each other uh, whoever you are whoever i am uh, i am what i am and i can't uh, define it based on where i am or who i'm talking to I should be myself wherever I am on the globe. And uh, that's the beauty of the human being. And for that. me, we are all the same. There is only one race. Yeah, one human being. I love that. I love that. So my husband has the same uh, challenges that you do because he his background is Trinidadian. And so he's been... Uh, He's been mistaken for Mexican, Egyptian, oh, yeah. Indian, you name yeah. it. A lot of people think that he is from their culture and their, their um, anyways, where they live. So I, I totally hear you because we get that all the time. So Demo, you are surrounded by women today. Let's go over to you. Tell us who you are, how you identify, what you do, and what does diversity and inclusion mean to you? Thank you, Sarah. This is definitely a honor to be to be in this uh, tremendous uh, uh, great group. Um, my name is Demostenes Perez. Um, everybody call me Demo. I'm from Panama, born and raised Panamanian, 100% uh, Latino. Um, I uh, I grew up in a in a very small town uh, in the in the center of the country, uh, and I have been in the supply chain industry for the last 25 years. Um, I have the, the, the luck to be in Panama, which is a country that born or growth based on diversity. Uh, we are a melting pot culture 
and and after the uh, the when they begins the the construction of the canal, our country was flooded from people from all over the world, literally. Uh, so here you will find all the cultures of the regions, uh, and 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 people from all over. So it's it's common to to have also in our what we call typical uh, food ingredients from all over the world. Uh, for example, we, we we use a lot of soy sauce. We use curry. You know, uh, we we have a ham and, and pancakes for breakfast. So it's a complete melting pot. Uh, all the industries, all the, sorry, all the uh, countries that uh, populate this this country. So, uh, with that said, um, we, we are not a culture that it's highly, you know, uh, focused on what your religion are or where your color your skin are, right? So we, I, I grew up with that, and 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 I work with that. Um, I have been uh, working uh, for all this time in this industry uh, in the city of Cologne in the Atlantic side of Panama, um, you know, in the warehousing business, which is a, uh, 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 an industry that requires different levels of skills, you know, high level people and low skill level people. And, and that's an opportunity for me to, to support, you know, people that help, especially women. Um, I, I uh, typically had on my team 50% uh, of the, and this is not by, by, by intention, but for some reason, always I have uh, a lot of women in my team. Um, yeah, I, I, in my house, in my family, my grandmother was, a, she was an entrepreneur. So I came from a family that women have equal um, rights and, and, and influence on the, on the finances. So, so, and all my, my, uh, later, my aunts, uh, for, in the, for my father's side and mother's side, all women are professionals. They study, they are, you know, so I, I don't have that kind of, um, uh, issues with, um, I need men in my team or women in my team. I have, you know, I, I always like to have the better talent. I, I don't right. care. If if it's men or women or anything, it's just this talent and and what we do for 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 the business. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And you and I are going to talk a little bit more a little bit later about um, what we did in 2019 when I was able to come to Panama. But I also saw, you know, the diversity and inclusion from my own eyes when I was able to travel there in 2019, and and we got to meet in person. So that that was awesome. We could we should say that you are one of the founders of IPL Group out in Panama as well. So Octa, over to you. Tell us who you are, how you identify, what you do, and what does diversity and inclusion mean to you. Yeah, absolutely. As I'm Ekta Adani and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Nomadri. We're a supply chain and sourcing uh, software company. I think for me, uh, how I identify some South Asian born and raised in India and now living in the United States, so pretty much an immigrant, uh, um, immigrant and uh, for me, diversity and inclusion, I would actually say that, obviously, I echo a lot of what everyone has said today, absolutely. And outside of that, I think for me, I really think about diversity from the perspective of embracing differences, right? And it's beyond just your ethnicity or your race or where you were raised. I think for me, it's also about, you know, diversity when it comes to professionals or uh, you know, walks of life that people come from. Especially for me, I think that I identify with a lot more because, uh, yes, I'm an immigrant, but before that, 
I basically spent 10 years in investment banking. And now I've basically made that switch to, you know, the world of retail supply chain and commerce. So for me, I, you know, see the diversity even there. And it's so important to be able to embrace that because I think that's what truly makes, uh, you know, you need, it, it really takes a village, right? And it does, you know, just having people with different opinions or, you know, different backgrounds and where they come from and culture makes such a huge difference in how we collectively make the world a better place. So that's what diversity and inclusion means to me. Awesome. Thank you. Last but not least, Andrea, tell us who you are, how you identify, what you do, and what does diversity and inclusion mean to you? Awesome. Thanks so much for, for having me, Sarah, and pleasure to be here with this uh, great panel of folks. Uh, so my name, Andrea Gardella. Uh, I'm a senior economist uh, at Export Development Canada. So that's export uh, or Canada's export uh, credit agency based in Ottawa. So I'm a bit more on the back end, uh, supporting Canadian businesses doing business abroad and, and understanding their supply chains a little bit more as, as they go out to do business in South America or in the agriculture sector, what I cover. And so uh, in terms of how I identify, uh, I would say the main intersections of, of my identity are, are one that I'm a white passing Hispanic immigrant, uh, daughter of, to a single mom. Uh, and we left Chile, uh, you know, in the, made, uh, sorry, the, the late 80s uh, as refugees. I'm also uh, part of the LGBTQ2 plus community, so I am uh, queer, and uh, I'm a woman with uh, a fluid gender expression, and so uh, all of the things intertwined uh, make me Andrea. Uh, and, awesome. And so very much on the same uh, in the same vein as, as what uh, everyone has mentioned. For me, the inclusion piece is is really what resonates for me, and and the activist side of me really looks at it from uh, you know a way to eliminate the barriers uh, to exclusion and marginalization and, and seeing those, those differences that we each bring to the table as, as positive contributors to, to making an inclusive environment. So, you know, there's lots to say on that, but that's kind of the, the high level uh, one liner that I'll say uh, of what diversity and inclusion means to me. That's great. And thank you for sharing. I think you and I are going to get into pronouns a little bit later on the show because we've been seeing more and more of that on social media. And I think it's important that we dive into it a little bit so everybody, everybody understands why we're including it in our profiles, what it actually means, and which ones you would identify to put on your profiles as well. So we will get into that. But I think what we want to start with is talking about diversity and inclusion, what it looks like where you grew up or where you are right now. We've got people from all over the world, and so we want to get a worldwide uh, perspective. I know Demo has shared what it's looked like from a Panamanian perspective because, you know, they've got a lot of uh, different cultures that kind of come together within Panama, and that's what makes Panama unique. But let's talk about some of the other places as well. So, Okta, you grew up in India. Tell us about diversity and inclusion. I mean, was it something that you guys discussed? Was it something, or are you just discussing it now? Or are we very far from that in India? No, I think, uh, you know, so I grew up in a family where my dad pretty much, so I do have an older brother and I grew up in a, you know, joint family. So we were enough number of men and women in the house and everyone worked basically. So I think from, from growing up culturally, like I never experienced like, oh, if you're a woman, 
you have you know certain roles and responsibilities and i think kudos to my parents for basically trying to break those traditions right because india historically has been a very patriarchal society and so i think for me it started becoming a lot more pronounced as i started like you know entering the workforce you know especially being in investment banking oh man it was really really hard because i i i still remember you know entering my trading floor and literally being the only woman in the room so i think it's when when i entered the workforce i guess it became a lot more pronounced for me and i think uh, you know and now when i look back and i see like you know certain professions or when i like even moved here to the united states i definitely see that there's a long way that all of us need to come through right and especially in india i feel that it's changing a lot as you know the middle class um, you know segment is growing i do think that there is it's no longer okay for you know uh, have arranged marriage or to basically say that hey you as a woman now basically take a step back of your career it still does happen but i feel like so much of that is changing today and i think it has to do with um you know of course the men and women who basically support each other in basically breaking some of those barriers yeah yeah and that's i mean that's really what brings us all hope from a diversity and inclusion standpoint right is when those discussions are happening when those traditional barriers are being broken you know even within your own family I mean you can make an impact wherever you are and you can make an impact within your family or you can make a larger impact within the community there's various different ways that you can make an impact and it sounds like your parents really did that for you and and within your family as well Jenna what's happening over in the UK I mean do you I mean you run the company so how is diversity are you working in a diverse environment are people talking about diversity and inclusion is it something that you you know people are really passionate about over in Europe so i i'm we're, we're in london um i think we have uh, a pretty diverse city but i think as as with many countries and cities um difference between do you have a diverse population and are you inclusive as a society um and i think um you see that the most when it comes to um inclusion in the workplace and especially at more senior levels um i think as our team we've got some diversity i think it's definitely we could do better at um i think we are currently about 38 non british 38% non british and about 27% female as a small company we don't collect much more data than that as a one of the things i've been trying to push on in the startup scene um certainly when when i started out on it there was a lot of criticism that it being dominated by kind of oxford cambridge private school we have this big debate in the uk about private schools state schools and oh really and yeah like huh. it's it's interesting you'll see for example i think about 7% of children are educated in in private schools but yeah when you look at the statistics for and um, the amount of people going into uh Oxford Cambridge then the stats are something like over 50% which is like wild um and that really has a knock on impact on 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 the rest of um i guess many people's lives and i think one of the thing we have done a good job is making sure like yes while we welcome people from those schools like that's a minority here at Shippermax as it is with the rest of the population because actually we think real talent can emerge from from anywhere and we're looking for that 
rather than just saying this is a cookie cutter, cutter approach and we know because you're from xyz we think you're great and so i think that's a bit how, how we've kind of approached it well, and I think that that's great. You bring up a good point, right? We don't really talk about education when we think about diversity and inclusion. And, you know, if there's some bias around, I mean, there is bias around, I mean, let's just be honest about whether you went to college or university, when, whether you went to a major college or university, whether you didn't go to a college or university, like it's almost already said that if you don't go to college or university, like what are you doing with your life? And I think things are changing and I think that conversation is changing and I think we do need to change that conversation because I... I didn't go to college or university. I did all of my courses by correspondence, got all of my diplomas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I really think it depends on the person. We've got to bring down that stigma as well. Like not, not all entrepreneurs are going to be Ivy League, you know, have gone to Ivy League schools and, and only entrepreneurs can come from Ivy League schools, right? No, not everyone can afford to go to university and that definitely shouldn't be a prerequisite. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's getting very expensive for what it is. Andrea, you are shaking your head all over, you're nodding your head all over the place. So I know you want to jump in on the last two statements that we got from Okta and, and Jenna. So let's do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of it resonates and I'm a highly expressive individual. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a heavy nodder. Um, but I think the education piece is, is so important. And I think it personally resonates with me because, I mean, you know, as a, as an immigrant, it is not always easy to really integrate uh, into, uh, you know, the country in which uh, you landed. And sometimes that does land you in particular areas. And so that means it limits which schools you can go to and so on and so forth. And that trickle down effect can be uh, quite stark. Uh, and and uh, it, it really does uh, create uh, various levels of exclusion just by by that alone. I think yes. my personal experience, I, I've seen it personally, and and even now as we're you know as we look at resumes and we're hiring, like the the bar is just so much higher and higher uh, as we go, uh, you know, with uh, it, when we're looking at it from the lens of education. And so there's there's a lot to be said there, um, but uh, but I'll leave it to that because uh, you know I could talk for hours on the merits of <laughs> of uh, of education and what that does to to diversity and inclusion for sure. Yeah, and it's probably something I should do a whole show around. <laughs> <laughs> if if we're going to be honest here. So while I'm on while I'm on with you Andrea, talk about it. How did you what what did that look like coming to Canada from Chile as an immigrant, getting in I don't know I don't know how old you were when that happened. I don't know if you were in school or if you went straight in like if if you were working or what that looked like. What did your path look like? How diverse what were the conversations that we were having? How has it been you know, with your employer and how you identify, you know, like, I, I, I don't know what you want to talk about here, but I just want to get a sense of being an immigrant in Canada and how diversity and inclusion and maybe some of those conversations have happened in your journey. Yeah, I find, uh, you know, it's funny, I, it's taken some time for me to, to really come to terms with what does being an immigrant mean to me? Because I was a baby when, when we came to Canada. And so I fall within this strange uh, middle ground of not being fully 
Hispanic or, or Latinx because I didn't grow up entirely in the culture, but not fully being, uh, you know, fully understanding what it means to be Canadian. And so I'm in this strange limbo, which I, I you know, in Canada, it's, it's a highly uh, diverse and multicultural country. And so I, I, you know, I think that there's a lot of us that feel that way. Uh, and so that creates a certain perspective uh, when it comes to diversity and inclusion. But for me, you know, if I look at it where I live now, you know, Ottawa is a fairly diverse place, uh, but it's concentrated like in many, I think, cities or even even towns in uh, across the world. Uh, and mine is my neighborhood is, is predominantly white families uh, outside of uh, university students. And so it is almost a bit more homogeneous than maybe some other parts of the city. And at the local level, the, the diversity and inclusion and particularly uh, inclusion is a topic that's been talked about quite a bit. Um, but in you know growing up uh, evenings and weekends in a Hispanic community, it's not as much of a conversation or it hasn't been as much of a, of a conversation. And particularly looking at it from a personal perspective where uh, in the Hispanic community, the gender norms are very much ingrained uh, mm -hmm. in how we interact with each other, how we look, uh, how we talk, all of these different elements, uh, have, you know, all of these uh, expectations have had quite a bit of, a, of an impact on me. And, and now professionally as a, as an economist uh, looking at South American politics and socioeconomic dynamics, uh, and really looking at the discourse around diversity and inclusion, it's, it's very much different than it was when I was growing up. The conversation is being had. Mind you, I, I would say that it's predominantly being had uh, in relation to gender equity uh, and women's mm. rights, uh, and to a lesser extent uh, regarding uh, the LGBTQ2 plus community. Um, and so I'll say that many different perspectives uh, have kind of brought me to, to where I am. And uh, as an economist, you know, you're in class, at least when I was coming up, it was mostly uh, men, uh, mo more multicultural uh, than other areas uh, in other programs, but it's still predominantly men. But now you're seeing a, a big shift uh, in that. You're seeing a lot more diversity in the, in the field. And, and I've been extremely uh, fortunate and, and privileged to have been working you know, with my team for 10 years and a team that puts at the top of the priority culture uh, team culture and, and, you know, creating an open and safe environment. And so for me, I've been able to just kind of break out of, of that shell of, of uh, letting go of the expectations of what it means to be uh, a Hispanic woman, what it means to be, uh, you know, someone with, uh, with only a bachelor's degree, what, is, what it means to be all of these things that have made me uh, who I am and really thrive uh, and, and be able to navigate uh, some of these challenging uh, environments. I'm glad you shared that. But one thing that you just said was only a bachelor degree. We need to change the conversation around this because you've just said a bachelor degree. I don't have a bachelor's degree, but that doesn't make us either of us any less. And because you have a bachelor's degree, it it's not just a bachelor's degree. It's a bachelor's degree. <laughs> like something to celebrate. I'm sorry, I had to pick up on that because we have to be careful of the language that we're using and how we're minimizing some of the stuff that we've done. No, and, and you're absolutely right. And it's funny, as we were having this conversation, I, I recognize in myself this, this chip on my shoulder that, uh, that you know, I've worked really hard to, to come up. I think for me, there's a lot more 
to that that story uh you know my first attempt at university was an engineering degree uh and not something i related to whatsoever but in my household my mom was very much a uh, education first uh, and so mm -hmm. that's the priority and and that's what you're going to do and then so that's that's what i went to do but you know i think as i was coming into myself particularly my, my coming out journey is is can be a very hard uh, an emotional journey. And so for me, I, I had to leave school and, and start my life a bit later. And so I had this like complex about what are my capabilities? How am I going to be able to, to, uh, you know, make a career when it is very much a, a requirement. Um, and I was able to get in as a student at EEC and, and thankfully awesome. I did because now, uh, mm -hmm. as I mentioned, you know, you're going through these resumes and, and the requirement is a master's. Mm -hmm. and that all immediately excludes a huge proportion of people, people like myself, who wouldn't yeah. have been able to get the job that I have now. So you think of these of these uh, of these things and uh, and the ways in which each of those small decisions can lead to a different outcome uh, yeah. or a different opportunity for someone. Uh, I think it's it's uh, it's a very uh, stark realization, and you're absolutely right to call me on that uh, on adding that just. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. It's something that, you know, I have to get rid of that chip on my shoulder. Uh, you know, admittedly, I'm doing my master's right now. So, it, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm still working through that, through that chip. Amazing. Uh, but yeah. I'm trying to do it more for the learning experience versus the, the saying that I have one. Yeah, we have to change that conversation. I mean, I, yeah, anyways, we can talk a whole episode on that. Oh, Okta, you want to weigh in there? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in the past when I've applied for jobs myself, I'm like, oh, where do I qualify, right? And right. one of the changes that, uh, you know, we made in this company today is, um, you know, so I do have two other co-founders and, uh, you know, yes, you know, and I think the biggest change that we made while we're hiring people is actually not having a qualifications requirement at all but just basically saying what do we want you to be passionate and experienced in right so rather than actually saying hey you know have you gone to have you been to engineering school it doesn't really matter like one of our engineers that we have on board full time actually didn't go to engineering school but is a self-taught engineer since the age of 13. now wow. if you think about you know what you've committed your life towards in terms of passion like what do you what does that is the most important thing and so we've slowly started taking some of those steps and it's always a constant reminder, you know, to be completely unapologetic about where you come from, who you are, and why you made certain decisions in life. And with those are like certain things that we've started trying to embrace within the company as we're thinking about hiring people. And uh, we'll see how it goes. But it's like one of our first steps towards basically embracing that, that no matter where you come from in life, if you're passionate, if, you, if you're committed to what you're doing, like, you know, you can definitely make a difference no matter what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You can, and you can teach skills. So I've got to get to, to demo and Nizreen. Nizreen, I'm going to get to you first um, because you are living in Dubai. What does diversity and inclusion look like over there? Um, and obviously growing up in France and Morocco, you, you can give us a, a several different perspectives on this. So, so talk about it. Was it, was it spoken about? Um, is it something that's being spoken about now? Is it an important topic? Tell us. So uh, thank you, Sarah. If if you talk about diversity in the sense of, um, uh, let me start first of all. UAE is really an exceptional country when you look at the Gulf uh, and in the region. They are really really doing a lot of efforts 
to be um, an example and to be a role model to the other countries. So they are trying to be really first in everything. And in UAE, you have around 200, uh, more than 200 nationalities. And uh, you have 10 million um, uh, habitants. Only 1 million are locals. 9 million, we are foreigners. Wow. So it gives you, yeah, it's really another world. It's really different from other countries, different from France or from um, um, Morocco, the other countries I lived in. So here really it's completely another paradigm. Uh, and here being different is really part of normal, okay, from a different cultures. So people, they go to work. For example, in France, you cannot go to work with your um, scarf or with your sick turban or uh, you, 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 you can't. You, you have to, to be, um, I, I don't know how to say, but French or French way. Um, but uh, here you can, you, you can wear whatever you want, you can, uh, all the religious, um, uh, uh, I would say, um, uh, holidays are celebrated, uh, Christmas, um, oh. all of them, Hanukkah, um, all of the religious, uh, Diwali, <laughs> um, uh, are celebrated in the schools, at work, um, everywhere in the uh, advertising, uh, the government celebrates them. So in that sense, it's really beautiful. I really, that's why I love this country. Uh, and it's, it's really open and push people to be together and not separated. Huh. In terms of uh, sexual orientation, it's, uh, I would say it's a bit more shy. Uh, uh, it's not forbidden because I know a lot of uh, LGBTQ um, um, uh, community here. Um, uh, and um, they, but it's not showed, like it's not expressed, uh, or you would not have the pride. Um, um, uh, the parade. I have the French, yeah, parade. parade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the French word on my tongue. Um, you will not have it here. So it, it's. Uh, I think. I think. Uh, since I'm, I'm Arab. I'm Muslim. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's more about the culture because here the culture is about, you know, direct culture is more about you do whatever you want to do. Uh, it's between you and yourself and it's within your walls or within your house. Uh, don't bother others. That's the uh, culture, you know, don't, don't, for example, don't um, dress uh, extravagantly and, and bother someone or um, uh, disrespect someone else. So um, it's all about be whoever you want to be. Uh, just don't don't bother other people outside, or don't uh, um, uh, wear whatever you want. But don't don't shock other people like that. Okay. So um, respect the others. Yeah, that's that's uh, so that's the Arab way, and mm -hmm. I think that's what makes it a little bit. Uh, we like here people don't talk about LGBT, but you have everywhere uh, uh, a lot of almost equal women men working in companies. Okay. A lot, a lot, a lot in UAE. Saudi is a different thing. Kuwait is a different thing, and Qatar is a different thing. But in UAE, really, they they push everyone to uh, employ from everywhere, for everywhere, and women, etc. And mm. it, this is now becoming a standard. 
And uh, we, as I said, we don't talk openly about the sexual orientation, but you can see like um, uh, um, uh, within the environment, the, the work environment, you have a lot of uh, gay, lesbian, um, uh, really all mixed and uh, they don't, they don't, um, uh, they don't shut themselves. They are very proud of who they were, who they are. So, um, and it's just part of, uh, we accept it without saying it. So, so you that's, don't, that's so, a bit, the, yeah, that's a bit of uh, maybe Arab way. Uh, yeah. with, uh, we don't, we don't, uh, we, are, we are not, you know, we don't say, express things or, but you you can see clearly in the companies um, how it is. And there is a lot of Arab gays and lesbians, a lot, a lot more than what you can imagine. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. And I might, I might look a little bit ignorant in my next con- uh the next uh, things that I'm about to say, because I don't know a lot about the Arab culture. Um, And I, and I've never been to Dubai. What I've heard though, is that women have to, do we have to cover up outside? So in UAE, no, you are really, really free. You can walk out with a short, with a um, uh, trunk. It's fine. You can really, the most, you just need to be aware that you have so many cultures around you, so many nationalities, so many religions yeah. that the, the government asks everyone to be respectful, Just but respectful. without enforcing okay. anything. Yeah. And okay. uh, in Saudi, though, is different. In Saudi, you have to wear, the, you know, the habaya, the black dress. Yeah. And in some cities, you have to cover your, your head. Last week, I was in a business uh, a trip to Saudi. So I have my abaya uh, at home that I put when I <laughs> reach the airport, <Yeah>. and <laughs> and um, uh, I cover my my head when when I'm there, and um, and that's it. But honestly, it's just about respecting the culture wherever right. you are, and um, and that's it. Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. Even if I'm Muslim, but I'm not covering my head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's interesting, and I'm glad that you shared that because I think. You know, obviously getting a under, better understanding of Dubai and the UAE compared to some of your sister countries and what that looks like in those countries, it sounds mm. like, you know, you're open to having discussions, you know, everybody's respecting each other, no matter, you know, who they are and how they identify. Um, there's just, and there's no restrictions, it's just maybe not as you know, you're just not flaunting it, I guess, maybe as much as you would in other countries, I guess. I think that's what you were trying to say with, um, but that there's a lot of equality. There's a lot of good discussions that are happening within workplaces and within communities and and things like that. So I'm sure there's a lot to unpack there (laughs) um, from what Nizreen is saying, but I do want to give Demo an opportunity to weigh in on everything we've talked about so far, because (laughs) he has been nodding his head quite a bit. So you're you're on mute demo. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, I, I would like to start with the education area, uh, and I will talk because of my experience. I I went to what you could call a community college uh, in my hometown, which is a very small uh, university, I, and I I started studying public administration, um, logistics. At that time, where it was not a word used, uh, so I am very lucky because there there was no 
formal education in logistics in my beginnings. Mm-hmm. So I think I, for a lot of us, or even yes, me as well, yeah. Yes, and 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 I should starting uh, doing my own uh, education. I have a great mentor uh, that pushed me to 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 be continuously learning. So and, and one of my great honors was to, you know, coming from that very small uh, college, I, I have been in. Uh, and, and very important colleges in the U.S. and in, in, in the U.K. actually, uh, giving presentations. So for me, it's very, you know, I, I achieved that because of my um, uh, uh, learning uh, and, and my curiosity. Uh, so I have been able to share uh, my, my, my knowledge. I have served in more than one board of universities. Um, and I have never take a single course in supply chain. Hmm. And, and, and here in my country, um, I, I could be called like an authority in this industry. So I have uh, reached all this because of myself, because I love this right. and, and continuously working on, on, on my own growth. So um, I, I was a little pressured at the beginning when I, when I started in the industry because of at that time, uh, most of the other people came from very known uh, international colleges, and I and I was not part of that. So I have to uh, give an extra effort myself to 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 become what I what I became. So uh, on that, and 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 also I wanted to touch on your bachelor thing and 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 the the need for a master. <laughs> I yeah, knew it. I knew I should have done a separate <laughs> separate. Episode. Yeah, because, <laughs> because, you know, uh, I don't know if, if in other countries it's the same, but here there is a pressure for all the students uh, to pursue a master's degree, uh, especially when they finish bachelor. And I have to be very critical on that because I, I have received uh, young guys uh, that came with a master's degree uh, to, for, a, for a job interview and they do know nothing. Right. So they, they spend a lot of money <laughs> and time and they do know nothing. So I, I am very highly uh, uh, critical on that. And I say, you know, what, what, what Andrea said, you, you can pursue a master's degree when you are professional, when you, are, uh, you want to learn extra uh, things, not, to, not because you have to do it. You have to get experience. You have to, to, to work. You have to learn yourself. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's... it's it's hard to, to see this, this uh, and I receive a lot of calls from friends and, you know, I have this son that went to college in the U.S., whatever, please give an interview. And I want to sit down with them. It's so sad, actually, because mm. I have people in my team that haven't been in college ever, and they know way, way more than them mm. uh, in the industry, at least. And they have a, a, a supply chain degree, right? So... Uh, with that in mind, and, and also now, and I want to share this, and you probably, uh, I know this, I have, I am living this in my own family. My, my younger son, uh, he said four years ago, when he was 14, he's six, he's 18 now, that he were not going to be a college student because he will do their own, his own thing uh, without going to, to, to college. He's part of this, you know, not going to college movement. 
So this is a very strong... It's a movement. Jenna, <laughs> it's a look movement. what you've started, okay? Now we're turning this whole thing into a movement. It's a yeah, movement, it, people. It, it we is. called it, it right is. here on Blended. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I saw a post, a post by Simon Sinek uh, lately uh, talking about this movement, not going to college, right? So um, right now, we were, we, we, I, I'm, I am having this discussion with my son saying that Go to college not because you will get a degree that will get you a job. Go to college because you will get network, because you will get experience, mm -hmm. because you will you will you will know people. And because I know he's very smart and he will do his own thing. Actually, he before he finished high school, he was an intern in a in a company, uh, and and he got it himself. So he got this this um, energy and and all that. But you know, it's hard to explain to 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 my mother to his grandmother. He's not going to college. My actual right. wife is saying, you are going to college because you are. You know, it's part of the culture. You need to go to college. You need to be someone. And, and you don't need to be have a college degree to be someone, right? Yeah. So, so all this, true. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a tough discussion. Um, so it's, it's something we need to, 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 to face that today, especially with all the tools, we all probably during these pandemic times, we, we, we have... Uh, gain uh, new skills, new learning, and 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 now it's easier. So and we're re I, I think I think we're reassessing things yeah. as well, right? And I think, you know, I joke with Andrea and everyone here about having a separate F episode about this. But when you really put it into perspective, like demos just put it into perspective that it's a part of your culture. And today we're talking about diversity and inclusion from worldwide perspectives. This is part of the discussion that we're having today. I'm, I'm quickly realizing this while we're, while we're talking about this subject. And Jenna, I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up because as I said before, education is not really something that we're talking about when it comes to bias, but it's a really, really, really big bias uh, that, we, that we have right now, and it needs to be part of this discussion. So I'm glad that we've talked about that. Demo, thank you so much for weighing in on that. We are going to move to individual experiences, but before I do that, Nizreen, I think, has something just to, to add in there. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Sarah. I just want to jump on what Demo said, and you guys also mentioned um, uh, two points. I want to give an example. Uh, I, uh, back a few years ago, I um, built a plant for automotive industry uh, from A to Z in a small village in Slovakia at the Ukraine border. And uh, I was supposed to build a supply chain team over there and recruit. And guess what? Uh, there is no supply chain courses or no supply chain um, uh, diploma in that area. So I really struggled finding uh, who, who has a bachelor degree, as we just said. No? So I said, okay, Nisreen, you have to be open mind and you have to look for the right person, not the right degree. And can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. I agree. So one of, one of the persons that really shocked me in a positive way and amazed me till date, um, uh, she's part of the uh, national orchestra um, and she's a violinist. And she applied and she told me, yeah, I want to be part of the supply chain team. And when I interviewed her, I mean, her 
she she really amazed me how how she was logical and structured and organized and all this and um and i i, I recruited her because she was just amazing and the, her brain was supply chain brain <laughs> so i told her i will help you with the techniques and the methodology uh, but she had the wire set already so yes i do agree um, that uh, uh, we you you might have amazing people working in supply chain without a supply chain degree and i just want to say that actually going to school is um, if you look at the fundamentals going to school is help your it's here to help us in our growth and how we think and our thinking and the dialectic of questioning and criticizing so unfortunately it became now more boxes and um, um, you know do you fit in that box or not but school is originally here uh, to help us be i mean be you know human being who criticize what is and you know not accepting static quo so um, uh, uh, yeah, I encourage school, if it's a school that encourage people to uh, develop their brain and develop their uh, sense of criticism. But yeah, I don't like either the boxes and yeah. you know, put someone in a box, yeah. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with you on that. And I think that that was a really good um, example, right? And we have to put it into perspective with stories and with examples so that we can have this conversation. We can open up the dialogue and we can, we can make the impact and the changes that we want in these discussions. So let's talk about individual experiences. Jenna, I'm going to you. You have a degree in economics. You've worked in banking, in the trade market. Now you're an entrepreneur in supply chain and there's no getting around it. These environments are typically dominated by white men, especially on the funding side, which I'm telling you right now, I'm going through the exact same thing right now. Um, and I know Okta is probably going through the same thing too. So she's probably going to weigh on, in on this one as well. So if pop culture is to be believed, a certain type of man as well, right, within the funding realm, what has your experience been in those environments? How, like, what are the challenges? How have you overcome them? I know that you were successful in getting some funding recently. So congratulations on that. So tell us, you know, what did you go through? What did that look like? Um, yeah, so I guess a couple of stories, I guess, one from startups, from banking, I think. Um, uh, looking back, I think I never really noticed that I was a woman until I started working in startups. Right. Suddenly, everyone started telling me, hey, you're a woman. <laughs> um, and it was kind of weird. Um, and especially the first time you're fundraising, which for me was back in 2016, and people would ask you all kind of weird questions and like, how will one possibly build relationships with male customers? And you're like, how do I politely answer such a like ridiculous question? Um, so I think that was strange. I, I think it's definitely got better. Um, you know, comparing when in, I think about 2009, when I started working in the bank, I think there was a lot of like inappropriate comments um, but it was kind of the norm and I didn't really take it personally. Like, and I think you have to acknowledge that society was different back then, certainly yeah. in the UK and what we accepted was different. And like looking back, I think that culture probably did hold back a lot of talent um, from succeeding. Um, and like now it is nicer not to have to navigate around those, those comments. Um, and yeah, so I, I, 
I think it's, yeah, I think it's been a strange journey. Um, kind of like I alluded to before, I'd be happy when you can walk in a room and someone doesn't have questions based on you being a woman. Um, because it's just like, I don't know how you answer them because they're just so stupid. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that's it for me. And like, I think with fundraising, you, you just have to keep going and you, you know, you adapt your fundraising style and your communication style and um, to, to some of the biases people have. And unfortunately that's really the only way that you can get around it because, you know, when you look at, Yes, there are a lot of changes that you might want to make on society, but sometimes you just have to, um, you know, play play whatever role it is to kind of fit into their their checkbox to to get what you want. Yeah, I would agree with you, especially when it comes to fundraising at the moment. I, I like I I don't know about you guys, but I have found that there's not enough women on the fundraising side um, because they say that you know you and in, they invest or or investors invest in people. And they have to be able to resonate with you. And so you need to be able to see more people like you to be able to resonate with them and say, hey, yeah, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what we're pushing forward. We'd love to have you on the team. You know, and I think there are a lot of champions, but I think on the fundraising side, we do have a long way to go because things are different. I mean, if a man walked into a room talking about fundraising, he didn't get any questions about being a man a CEO or a male CEO in his startup and what does that mean to, you know, getting the funding and how we're going to roll out the funding and things like that. I mean, that just doesn't happen. So why does it happen for women? Right. And, and I think those questions and those discussions need to be have, uh, need to like, we need to have them more often. And I have some conversations with my male champions and they're like, wow, I didn't actually realize you get those questions or you're going through that. And so the more we talk about it and it's not complaining about it, it's not anything like that. It's just leveling up and having those discussions and letting people know that that's what it's like for us. So Okta, I don't know if you wanted to just jump in on that particular part of the conversation, because I know as a startup founder, you've gone through some of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, to what Jenna was saying, right, until I actually started my own company, I didn't realize that I was a woman or that yeah, there was exactly. a differentiation, <laughs> right? And even though being in banking, et cetera, where yes, you have perspective because you walk into an interview room and you know that it's pretty much been a main dominated society, but startups is like this dream world, right? So you don't like, and so much of it is romanticized that you don't really know that, oh, you know, you are a woman and there are certain biases. And I've certainly had those questions where it's like, oh, how, how, you know, like, if they know that you're married and then it's like, oh, so how involved is your husband in your business? And I'm like, he has his own business. Like why? he doesn't have anything else to, like he needs to figure his career out, buddy. Like this is not something, you know? So we've got, I've gotten that. I think I definitely say that it does take time. It does, you know, from a lot of women, it does like, you know, hurt your confidence to many, to, to a great extent, because here you are, you know, irrationally optimistic about changing the career. Irrationally. And, you know, and I say that because it's true. And, you know, here you are like trying to like literally bear your heart into this business and like want someone who believes in it, right? Because as passionately as you believe in it, and then you're not asked any of those questions, but you're asked questions around, 
your personality and your lifestyle. And I'm like, how relevant is that? You know, it's right. not really relevant. And I think now I've come a long way where it's like, you just like, you know, like don't, sometimes you don't answer those questions or sometimes, you know, you actually like frame it back in a different way so that they mm-hmm. realize how stupid that question is. And like, it's not okay to keep asking women these questions. Um, I've started doing that a little bit uh, where I feel like that was kind of inappropriate, right? And I actually do sometimes even not exactly call it out, but say it in a little nice way that, hey, you know, maybe you should not ask this question or something like that, because I feel it's relevant because a lot of times they come from a place where they just don't know also. Well, yeah. A certain amount of, uh, you know, just giving the benefit of the doubt, there is a certain amount of education awareness that they need to have. And uh, I think it's important for them to understand that there was something that maybe offended you or that was inappropriate. And so at least that way they don't do that anymore. And yeah. you know, a lot of times I've got responses where it's like, oh, thank you for letting us know. Right. So I think, yeah, but it is definitely where it is harder. Uh, and you have to think about not just like the women funders, but also like there are so many male allies that also exist. There are. It's about... Yeah. Uh, you know, they have kids and they have daughters. I think a lot of that is changing. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's a slow process. And, uh, but that, and, you know, it is frustrating for sure. But yes. Yeah. Well, it's just kind of like, would you ask um, a male CEO coming to you for funding how involved his wife is? Exactly. Like my husband is a startup founder as well. And our fundraising journeys have been absolutely different. The mm-hmm. questions he gets gets asked and the question, he said, well, why didn't you say this? And I'm like, I didn't even get asked that question, you know, so I didn't even get that benefit of the doubt more than anything else. So absolutely agree with you that, um, you know, the questions they get are just absolutely different. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Okta I, I, and Jenna. I think that that, you know, really highlights, you know, a particular part of our journeys um, especially as startup founders that, that we've, you know, had to, you know, that we've come up against. And I think it's important that we highlight the different parts of the journeys and, and sort of talk about that. So Andrea, I'm going to talk to you now because you're another young woman rising up through the ranks in economics. Um, and also as a queer woman, what has that journey been like for you? And I think that, um, one of the things that I would like to ask you is, you know, do you talk about it? Do you talk about being a queer woman? Do you mind if people ask you is another question. And another thing that came up for me a couple of weeks ago is that when you are talking to people, it's almost like you have to come out over and over and over and over again, which is not something that, that I have ever experienced or a lot of people have ever experienced. And so, but it's, I think it's a truth within what's, you know, within your journey. So what does that look like? Yeah, those are, yeah, happy to touch on those. Uh, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, my professional journey was, was, has been somewhat privileged and, and I've been really fortunate to land a, a job as a student and on a highly diverse team and very inclusive uh, that prioritized uh, looking at behaviors uh, as well as technical skills and what that means and what it adds to the table. And, you know, a few things that Acta mentioned earlier, you know, looking at 
what transferable skills someone might have just because they've learned, you know, analytical skills, communication, all of these things that, uh, you know, may not exactly fit the exact requirements uh, technically, but that you can, you can build on those and, and leverage uh, other skills that you have. And so for me, you know, my personal and professional uh, formative years were pretty much set up in a very safe uh, corporate environment uh, on my team. Now, the corporation was on a slightly different uh, journey than, than my team was. Uh, and, uh, and actually, you know, through a, a work program, I, I lived in Morocco for, for almost five months. Yeah. Uh, through a, a, we, we do, a, uh, we have a corporate partnership with, uh, with Care Canada. And so we, we can volunteer for, for four months uh, in another care office. And, and so I, uh, jumped on the opportunity and and uh, moved over to to Morocco and and that was very formative for me because um, you know as as Nizrin uh, was mentioning it's not wow you know, the we need to talk <laughs> <laughs> and I lived in Casablanca too so uh, you know certainly not the you know everyone was like oh Marrakesh Marrakesh but Casablanca is is actually the, you know a major major part of of of, uh, of the culture there so that those those four months kind of changed my perspective and to answer your your question on whether it's something that i talk about that's what really changed things for me because before that um i talked about it with my team and it was just kind of you know we get to know each other and and you get to know my personal life and so on and so forth but uh i think living uh in morocco changed my perspective because it wasn't something that was talked about uh and i took that for granted in canada and i realized that Corporately, we didn't talk about it either. Uh, and so, you know, coming back, I, I decided to kind of make a big splash come out, uh, uh, you know, did a speech and a talk there. And, and that was, for me, very cathartic. Uh, I, I also, at that same period, I was really kind of transforming my, my gender expression. And, and for those of you that, that can't see me, you know, I, I could pass as a man. I have short hair. I, I dress in traditionally men's clothing. And it is, you know, it is something that uh, has allowed me to feel so much more comfortable with myself. And, and my team has provided that safe environment. And, and eventually the corporation really started to have those conversations. And so having to come out each time for me is certainly something that I have to do outside of the corporation uh, because I have, I have taken uh, the opportunity to, to be a vocal uh, uh, advocate for, for the LGBTQ2 plus community here in, in Canada uh, within uh, EDC. Uh, but the, the coming out constantly, it's interesting because, because of my gender expression, I don't have to do that as much. Uh, I actually, funny enough, I have to do the opposite. And so when I travel, I have to uh, remind people that I'm actually a woman and that I have to use the women's huh. washroom. And so those are the kinds of dynamics that that I have to think about more so versus some of my you know, fellow community members would have to do the opposite and have to come out each time. And 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 it's a it's a scary moment those you yeah. know those experiences because you just never know how someone's going to react to that and and I'm an extremely open person and and I you know I welcome uh, conversations uh, I think for me really comes down to intention in those conversations yes. it is the intention to to understand and and to to learn more uh, then I'm absolutely all for it I think that the flip side to that and I think that we were confronted with that even more so over the last year with the black lives matter movement of we can't 
depend on these mar like marginalized communities to educate us on what it means to be part of that community, what the experience right. is like. And so those conversations that happen naturally are, are wonderful because it's an opportunity to get to know each other. But the onus is also on, on us, uh, each of us, to really under try to understand and try to educate ourselves to, to know what it means uh, to be Black, to be part of the LGBT community, to be a person with disability. I think those are, those are you know, all those opportunities to learn and, and grow. So I think, I hope I've answered the, the three questions that you had there, um, but it is, uh, it's, it's been quite a journey. And I have to say, I've been very fortunate uh, yeah. to have the support of, of my, my team and, and my friends and family. So I've been, I've been lucky and I know that not everyone has that. So hopefully, you know, there's, there's champions and allies out there to, to support everyone that, uh, that does go through a, a more challenging journey. Yeah. And I'm glad that you shared that. Um, you gave me goosebumps at one point because the fact that, you know, you were comfortable enough and, and you were given the opportunity to, you know, have that sort of celebratory talk where you could let everybody into who you are and, and, you know, who you, who exactly you are as a person. And, you know, I think that that's so important. And the fact that you are being a voice, um, especially within the industry and, you know, for other people and, and how, you know, can we ask the question? I think you're right. I think it, it comes with intention because I don't think we want people to assume we want people to ask and lean in, but there's gotta be good intentions behind it. And I think that's absolutely true. So Nizreen, I do see that your hand is raised. However, I do want to ask Andrea one more thing about the pronouns because more and more we're seeing the pronouns on social media. Um, what do they mean? How should we be using them? You know, I think, I think if we're going to do some education, let's do a, let's take a little bit of a couple of minutes to do some education on that part of it, because even I don't, you know, really understand a, whether I should have them up or B, you know, what do they mean for certain individuals? Um, so let's just talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, it's funny you asked that that last question there because my my boss asked me the same thing. He called me up and he said, Andrea, should I, can I also put my pronouns? <laughs> and I said, absolutely. I think that that is, uh, you know, a way of demonstrating that we can't always assume, even if someone is, is cisgendered, which, which means you identify with the gender you were assigned at birth uh, or the sex that you were assigned at birth, uh, you know, there isn't, it's not always the case. And I think that gender identity and, and how someone presents that identity, you know, may not be binary, binary, it doesn't necessarily always align with the historical gender norms uh, and or with the, the sex uh, assigned at birth. And so personal pronouns are a way of referring to a person without using their name and that people use uh, as one way to indicate their gender identity or, or their expression. So mm -hmm. pronouns are very personal. Uh, and that means that how they define the pronouns for themselves and what it means, the weight it carries, can change significantly from one person uh, to the next. So I think that the important or one of the important things on this conversa conversation is to remember that, uh, like in many other aspects, is that we should try to be mindful that, you know, what we assume may not be what is. Right. Uh, and so, you know, personally, I use she, her, hers as my pronouns. 
but I'm also, you know, fairly comfortable and actually quite comfortable with, with using they, them, theirs. Uh, you know, often when addressed with pronouns, it's, as I mentioned, I'm assumed to be a, a man. Um, but, you know, because society has generally understood gender to be binary and, and therefore we assume uh, it is either she or he, but I think the using of gender neutral terms can can be much more inclusive because you just never know. And I think right. that that's, uh, that's kind of a, important to remember. And, and it isn't easy. I, I mean, I'll admit that uh, it's been hard for me to change how I use gender pronouns with other people as well. And so I understand that it isn't easy to, to learn change, uh, to, to change learned behavior. Uh, but I think being mindful and intentional can, can go a long way. And so I think you know uh, allowing someone the space to to you know provide their gender pronouns i think the signature is one really important way of doing it because it signals that it's okay for someone who uh may not identify as you know he or she or, or may may not identify with with what people would assume it gives them the opening to also put themselves out there and to add them and so i think it just uh provides more of an open space to do that so I, I encourage it uh, to, awesome. to put your pronouns uh, on your social media, whether your email, all of that. And actually, you know, we just introduced uh, at, uh, at EDC uh, the gender pronouns as part of our signature to, again, make it part of the of the um, uh, of uh, the cult corporate language around gender. Uh, but it is something that's evolving. Uh, and, right. and like I said, very personal and, and could be quite different from others. Just, I think the assumptions is the piece that that uh, really helps kind of uh, simple or make it a little bit easier to have that conversation. So uh, the neutral ones are they, them, and theirs then? That's right, yeah. And uh, and you have places like, like Sweden that have actually entered it into, they've officially added it to their dictionary. And so it's, uh, you know, there's, there's all these different ways of, of doing it. But here in Canada, it is more generally, you, you have your, your female pronouns, uh, uh, she, her, hers, a male as, as he, him, uh, his, and then uh, gender neutral or gender non-binary uh, as they, them, theirs. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for explaining that. I think, you know, a lot of times we see it, we kind of get it, but we also need a little bit of an, a, an education behind it as well. Nizreen, I know you wanted to jump on some of the stuff that Andrea was saying, and then we'll get to you uh, for your individual experience. Yes. Hi. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, thank you, Andrea, for sharing. Um, I, I just want to jump on and say a few things. First, I feel it's very courageous for each one of us to be, to accept who we are mm -hmm. inside us first. So whether if it's Andrea or for, uh, uh, for uh, all of us here around the table or in the world, it's very important. And it's funny, I don't like the word in English straight because, okay, what else? I mean, if, if you're some, something else, then you're not straight. Like you're not straightforward. You, you don't walk straight. So uh, I, I really, um, for me, I think it's very courageous uh, as an individual to feel comfortable with, with, with within. So um, it, it's very important, and that's what resonates after outside. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, grammar, uh, it's very interesting. While uh, traveling, and and I fully agree with Andrea, when we travel, it it's really it open our minds and. Uh, we realize that um, uh, how little or how big we are, you know, we are just a human, like a tiny uh, person within the billions of people 
but in the same time we are so different uh, and we complete each other I, the world and in some languages there is no gender it's very funny uh, in uh, Asia or in uh, Africa in some dialects there is no gender so that's very interesting uh, and yeah <laughs> and also I wanted to share a little story um, uh, I have an uncle now he passed away God bless his soul uh, he uh, one day um, I came to his study and he was a writer uh, in Marrakesh in our city and uh, I was very very close to him very very close to him I loved him so much and uh, him also and he told me Miss Reen um, you know I'm bisexual Oh, okay. And so what? I love you the same. And he said, okay, I just wanted to share with you. I said, no. And I gave him a big hug and I said, yeah, uncle, I love you the same. It doesn't change anything for me. And I realized after that, that within the family, the elderly, they were not talking about it, with, even if they knew it, but us, the younger, we were op openly talking about it. So I believe it's also how the you know, the society is catching up with the human being. Us mm -hmm. as human beings, we are so rich and we are so the same and so different at the same way that I think society has has hard time to catch up with who we are, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that's okay to be different and that's okay to be a different color, a different gender, a different uh, religion or whatever. That's okay because that's how the world is. So um, I just wanted to share this small story about my uncle. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And I think it just goes to show, and, and I'm, it's this show, this series is opening up my eyes a lot because we're hearing from individuals from all different walks of life um, in regards to diversity and inclusion. And everybody is being, they're sharing genuinely, authentically, they're sharing their stories because I think, you know, it, it, it just surprises me how many people want to be able to share this, want to be able to talk about this, that are showing that empathy, showing that love, where, you know, when I grew up and where some of us grew up as well, it was very traditional. We didn't talk about a lot of these things. And so it's, it's you know, really exciting for me that we're able to share some of these stories and talk about it, especially from, you know, two different parts of the world, right? The conversations that we're having in Canada versus the conversations that you're having in Dubai, you know, are, these are the conversations that we want to be having and how we're embracing people as individuals. So demo, I'm going to ask about your experience. Then we're going to get into benefits, a way to work together, and then we're going to tie this up with some takeaways. So I was honored in, 19, in 2019 to moderate the first ever female-only logistics panel in South America at your conference. So I know you are passionate about this topic. Living in Panama, you know, you've already talked a little bit about what your experience has been with diversity. Why was it important for you to have that women's-only panel at your conference and the first one in the region? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, very exciting. And, and the idea about behind that was I was, I have been working with women, as I said at the beginning, for many years, and, 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 and there was no spaces. And, 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 and the funny part about this um, panel was that it was made from people I have very close, 
customers, well, very high level uh, supply chain executives, uh, or one of my colleagues, a team member of mine, and also in, in a professor, uh, a very high level professor in the uh, in Penn State, he was a South Panamanian, and, 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 and we have you uh, to moderate it. So the idea was to, to show uh, the industry in this part of the world, which is an industry dominated by, by men, that we have these very high level skill ladies, uh, beautiful ladies, intelligent, they, they know the work, they are doing great, and, and, and there was no reason for not doing something like that. And, and, and the reality was that that specific panel was the most commented event during the, the, the was a complete day event. And, and I think it was like two months after the event, we still were getting feedback on social media. <laughs> awesome. uh, yeah, because, because with, the, with the live streaming on the, on the event, um, and, 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 and it was very cool. And, and, and one fun story was one of the ladies, a, a former customer of mine, she was never been in a panel like that. And, and she was so scared. And, 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 and after the panel, she was so like free and, and happy because she was able to share her experience and her journey. So I was so happy uh, and, and, and how that uh, worked. And, and I think after that, there are other, some um, panels uh, on that in Spanish. We did that in English. Uh, and, 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 you know, I just wanted to, to, to bring this to the, to the, to the industry. Uh, yeah. There is no difference. And, and, and you remember that, Sarah, at that time, all the topics were very high level and there were no difference between a man and a woman uh, talking about, uh, we were talking about the industry and journeys. So yeah. but just uh, I was the, so happy. Yeah, just the impact of that panel. I mean, the, the feedback that I got afterwards, and I think the feedback that you got afterwards, and the, the fact that, you know, you really made an impact in that region and in the industry, just based on, you know, some of the stories that they were able to share about their journeys and, and really bringing understanding to that region. So I just wanted to talk about that and bring that up because I think that that was a really big, you know, point in time in Panama for especially women and not only women in supply chain as well. So let's talk about the benefits. So apart from equal rights and the fact that everyone should have access to the same opportunities, regardless of gender, religion, identity, identity, sexuality, et cetera. What are the benefits of actively seeking out and nurturing a diverse and inclu inclusive environment? So, you know, we want to cover globalization, collaboration, you know, innovation, knowledge sharing, different perspectives and problem solving. So from each of your perspectives, um, I'm going to give each of you, you know, just about a minute or so to talk about this. What are the benefits? What do you see the benefits of us, you know, talking about this, seeking out so that we can encourage others um, to really have these conversations, not only maybe in their families, maybe in their workplaces, maybe in their communities. Um, so Okta, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the benefit obviously is something that I think one thing people need to recognize is one, to be aware, right? It all starts with you being aware because if you're not aware, then you're basically going to continue these biases unknowingly, which is something I think that is not great, right? So I think one, I think is just being aware about it and that it's okay to and openly talk about it and you know discuss it and share it and learn from it and grow from it 
And I think the benefits really are, you know, I see that I'm, you know, came from banking and now moved to retail. So I do see that there is a different perspective that comes with it, right? You're able to kind of take certain practices of different industries and come and apply that to another industry altogether. And I think that's really where everyone starts benefiting and there's a lot of value that gets created along the way. And so um, I feel that like, uh, you know, that I think would be like the biggest advantage that companies have. And you should really encourage people to talk about that because, uh, you know, that is where like, you know, really true success starts taking place and that's where transformation starts happening. And so I think that's so important to, uh, you know, embrace and, you know, that's really key to innovation. And if you think of all the cool stuff that's, you know, made in the world, it actually came from people who didn't come from those verticals. And I feel like there is truth to that. And if more people were able to do that, uh, you know, there would be so much more innovation that would be taking place and being embraced every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Jenna, over to you. What, what, when we're talking about the benefits, you know, what, what are some of the benefits that you see from a diverse and inclusive environment? So, I mean, I think, I guess it's long-term there's, a, you know, there's a ton of research, diverse teams, frankly, just outperform you get better decision-making, faster problem-solving, higher innovation. But I think that's great, but I think sometimes that won't really force people to act. Um, I think for me, when I think short-term, you know, putting into context, I'm a CEO, I'm trying to hire the best talent I can. And if I can't because someone feels like they don't belong in my organization, that would hurt. and that would hurt us immediately as a company. So I think this is why I, I already care immediately about, you know, how do I make sure that I can get these great people to come and work with us? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and that's so true, right? I mean, like you said, there's all these stats and numbers and everybody talks about these stats and numbers around diversity and inclusion. And, and then we've got these boxes that are being checked right? You know, we've got this percentage or this percentage or whatever. But when we really take a look at it from a holistic perspective, and we're taking a look at it as people, who are they as a person? What do they like to do at work? What are they passionate about? You know, what do they like to do outside of work in their personal environment that maybe they could bring to work and make it a better environment to work in? So, um, Andrea, Yeah, um, for me, I think, uh, you know, looking at it from, from both ways, stealing Dennis' train of thought, you know, the long term is, is that we do become a more productive, more innovative and, and, and better problem solvers if you bring different perspectives. I think if I look at it over the short term and, and really looking at my own personal experience and seeing how much of a difference it can make, you know, uh, providing the space uh, and the environment for someone to bring their whole selves to work means that they're able to tap into parts of themselves that they may not have known were there. And it really drives a sense of of, of purpose. Uh, And so I think from a very selfish perspective, uh, it allows you to just really be your best self if if you're able to, to be your whole self. Yeah. And imagine what that can do. I mean, think about logistics and supply chain. We're all problem solvers. And so think about bringing your best self to work 
you're more innovative, you're better at problem solving. So, I mean, it's just better all around and, and better for everybody. And I think one of the words that we haven't used so far is collaboration. I mean, that's my favorite word. Um, but I do think, you know, with more diverse, diverse and inclusive environments, we would get more opportunity for collaboration, open up dialogue, open up the communication, more people leaning in to understand. Nizreen? Yes. Hi, sorry. I just unmute. Um, yeah, you know, I I I uh, I join my peers, my, my my colleagues around the table, and um, uh, um, what I want to say here is that uh, I just want to give the example of last week when I was in Saudi Arabia. This customer, so they they engaged me to do a, a, a full project of end-to-end -end transformation in supply chain, and uh, they. Guess what? They, they don't have a single woman in the whole company, 3,800 people. Wow. Yay, shocking, right? So, so I come in, I'm the CEO of the company, and I'm a woman walking around and, you know, talking and being myself and just, you know, showing my passion around and no boundaries. And when I talked to the CEO, uh, I told him, yeah, I will bring in a team uh, with me uh, uh, in 2021. And he said, Nisreen, uh, will there be women? I said, uh, yes, there will be women because actually women are very strong in supply chain. And I said, you are lacking women and it's part of the change. You know, the, you want a transformation, that's part of the transformation. And he looked at me uh, amazed and also a bit shy. And I said, don't worry, we, are, we will respect the environment, we will respect the culture but definitely that's part of the change. So I think we, it's important that we also, as I said, as individuals, be bold, you know, don't, we shouldn't be shy of, you know, putting things uh, out there. And one thing is uh, me, myself, within the NY Consulting and within my environment, I try my best to break all taboos. There is no mm -hmm. taboos uh, of who you are about, uh, and and um, if you are in uh, ENY Consulting, be in fully. And one thing is uh, when I look at the CV, for example, when I recruit, I look at the bottom, what, like, what hobbies do you like or who you are really, you know? And I, I always encourage people to tell me who they are and where they're coming from and just to open up and let them be themselves. So I think it's very important to, you know, to to be ourselves, I think it's very courageous for, again, I repeat that because I think it's very important. Just our journey to learn ourselves is very uh, challenging. And then to break taboos outside is, again, too challenging. So uh, I think we all have a role as a human being to uh, just to include everyone and to um, uh, whoever you are, it's you. It's it's between you and you, and that's fine, and that's okay. And all it matters is that we have the good relationship and we respect each other. And, um, and, and the more we are open about it, the more creativity, the more innovation, and the more we will be, you know, the boldness will come out and will create more and will, things will scale up very fast. So, um, yeah, um, I, I, I really encourage that. And uh, um, in, in this region, because I see this region is really beautiful and it's, um, um, there is a lot of taboo and also there is a lot of misconception from outside, you know, from mm -hmm. other, uh, other countries. 
and um, I, I, I hope, I hope, you know, just step by step to, to break taboos and break barriers and to, to, yeah, to encourage people just to be themselves and to accept others are being themselves. That's a, that's a great story. And I'm glad that you shared that. And it's a good segue into the next, uh, the next question that I was going to ask everybody, because, you know, I think you want to be the change, right? You want to be the change that you want to see. And for you to um, explain to them, you know, why it's important to have women on your team and why to bring women into that company to help with that transformation is going to leave an impact that is going to change, change things forever, I think, over there. Yeah. So yeah. when we talk about, you know, because everybody's coming from all corners of the globe and we talk about finding a way to work together, I think Nazreen's just given us a really great story around that because we need to keep driving diversity, inclusion, equal opportunity. So when we talk about that, how do we find a way to work together? What does that mean? What tools can we use? What resources can we use? How, what can we encourage people to do to keep this conversation going? Demo, I'm going to start with you. Well, um, for me, you know, I, I learned to, 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 to have women in my team, my, my, my close team, my staff. And, 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 you know, it's easier, to be honest, it's easier when you have, for example, to be just men, because women have more focus on details. They, are, they, they care of other things. Um, so in my case, I found a balance uh, in the team. Uh, having having the different perspectives, uh, my, my 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 former colleagues uh, they come I I start call them uh, 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 call them witches and they 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 used to call them themselves witches because they were like always you know we were like having arguments uh, with the, with the other guys, but that was for good because they change. A perspective in a conversation. They they have a different approach. They 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 thought different. And, and when you lead a company, when you have a lot of you know employees, uh, you need to have perspectives. Especially uh, we, we we used to have fifty percent of the of the workforce were women. Uh, you know, uh, uh, so we need to think on on they were uh, uh, mothers. Uh, you know, they, they they have a different perspective. You you as a man probably will be taking decisions based on your uh, 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 perspective. But having that balance help us to be a very successful team and company and grow fast, faster, and, and, and more inclusive uh, in, in all areas, not only on women, but on men too. Um, because that perspective of, you know, being uh, uh, not always respected and, and, and in my uh, during that time, in, in my administration, probably was the first company in my industry to have so much women on the staff, on the on the main staff, let's say. So for me, it was a great experience, a lot of uh, growth based on that, just yeah. on having a different perspective. It happened the same when you have different cultures and races and religions in a team. That 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 brings diversity. That brings new ideas. Uh, different ways to see things. So diversity is actually something that helps us to grow uh, faster. 
Yeah. Yeah. I would appreciate that. I, I mean, I appreciate that. I, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody about sales and we were talking about the approach uh, that men take versus women and how uh, there's that form of like nurturing and caring on the, on the, on the women's side that sometimes gets in our way to actually be able to um, sell a little bit more effectively. And so it's interesting being able to take that perspective from each side right? Because I think we each bring different things to the table, but understanding the differences and how you can work with them to find ways um, for everybody to, to excel and succeed. So Jenna, what, what do you think about how do we find a way to work together to keep, to keep driving this forward? What do you think? Is it social media? Is it organizations? Is it co conversations like this one? What do you think? Oh, hard question. Um, I think I think it's just keeping talking about it, and I, I think um, actually it's interesting. One one of the things you kind of mentioned there. I think um, uh, one of the things I also try and push back on people is not associating positive traits with gender or whatever it Good is one. as well. Yeah, because um, I think when we were talking out there about kind of women being nurturing and stuff. I'm, I'm not nurturing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, like I, I can still sell. Um, and I think some of the things sometimes I push on is like, I, th I think it's very much related to the person rather than um, a form of kind of, I don't know, gender or, or whatever it is. And because yeah. I think you can't, you can't have it both ways that you say, oh, women are really great at this. Um, and not expect it to come the other way that they're, they're bad at something else as well. And mm. um, so I think, um, yeah, I think how do we keep working together? I think keep talking and challenging each other. Um, yes. You just held me accountable. Like I held Andrea accountable earlier. I love it. I love it. See, this is what it's all about. This is about <laughs> finding a way forward and driving that conversation. Sorry. I totally jumped in on you. Final thoughts on that one. Jenna? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think, yeah, definitely holding people to account and, uh, I guess questioning and, and prodding, um, always good. Love it. Love it. Okta, how do we find a way to work together to keep driving this conversation? Yeah, I think uh, obviously echo a lot of, uh, you know, everything that, uh, Demo as well as Jenna have said. And I think truly is about speaking up, right? Now, if that means you're more comfortable speaking up on social media or writing a blog article or, you know, coming to forums and discussing that or just sharing it with like your group of people, I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to basically speaking up and not letting that, you know, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, uh, you know, or anything like that, just don't let that be the reason why you don't get what you want in life, right? And just speak up, go get it. And I would just say that, um, I mean, we all have our strengths, regardless of whether we're men or women. And I think it's more important to embrace that versus embracing, because we're all humans at the end of the day. And so I think it's more important to think about it from a place of like embracing each other's differences versus thinking, uh, you know, playing against your differences. And I would say that's a big piece of it. Yeah. Well, and I think also knowing yourself and I think sharing 
sharing articles, sharing things that you are passionate about and that make you who you are. And I, I don't know about you, but throughout, you know, the Black Lives Matter this past year, a lot of people were sharing different articles about different days and, and different things that had happened. And it was a great way for me to be able to learn, but also know who was passionate about what and what causes and really understand the people that maybe I was following or, or friends of mine about how I can support them and the different things that they are interested in as well. And so that's what I would say, you know, the power of social media can really help in a lot of these conversations and help with a lot of that understanding and bringing information to light and um, changing some of the conversations that you're having with people that, you know, you may not even know that you weren't really supporting them in the way that they wanted to be supported before. So Andrea, <laughs> final thoughts on that one. How do we find a way to work together to keep moving this forward? So I'm going to take it down a, a philosophical route. Um, and, and for me, I think what I've, what I've learned for myself and what I see around me is that uh, being vulnerable is very much at, at the root of uh, moving this conversation forward and proactively being engaged if that is if that is how you want to engage i think it allows us to be more open to be empathetic to understand a different perspective but also understand ourselves and be okay with making mistakes along the way um yeah but that vulnerability of really bringing your whole self can really influence others to do the same and, and that just allows for for those conversations to happen for that collaboration to happen and for that learning to happen Absolutely. Love that. Okay, guys. So we're going to wrap up here. Can each of you give me one takeaway from today's chat, whether that's a sum of the idea of what, you know, of blended from your cultural perspective or an idea for the future? One thing, one thing only, one word, demo, go. Ask. Make the question. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Jenna. Keep talking. Keep talking. Okay. Akta. Uh, be accountable. Yes, Nizreen. Empathy. Yes, that's a huge one. Last but not least, Andrea. Be vulnerable. Yes, love it. Well, thank you so much to Jenna, Nizreen, Demo, Akta, and Andrea for joining me today. It was a great session and really illuminating. It proves just how important it is to keep having these conversations and not just with those that are the same as ourselves to make a real difference as with many things. We need to start thinking on a global scale. Thanks again to our sponsors, Ships, Apex, and Mercado for helping to make this show happen. And don't forget to join us again next time for episode five of Blended, where we will have more lively chats around diversity and inclusion. Thank you guys for all coming on the episode today and sharing your thoughts. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you for having us. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Sarah.